Welcome to True Disciple, The Lifestyle, and to the ministry of Chinwe Omuchekwa. Called by God to disciple the Christian believer and prepare a people made ready for the Lord, Chinwe shares biblical wisdom on how to navigate everyday issues in a way that allows us to live as true followers of Jesus. But more importantly, how to handle the affairs of this life in order to ensure that we spend our eternity with Him. We hope that today's broadcast will encourage, strengthen, and challenge you to live as a true disciple of Jesus. Hello, welcome to True Disciple, The Lifestyle. My name is Chinwe Omochekwa. In John 16:33, Jesus said that in this world, we would have tribulations, a clear indication that trouble, trials, and the intended pressures they come with are inescapable parts of life. And so it is important for us as Christians to understand how to handle life's pressures in a way that does not compromise our obedience in doing the will of God, despite the pressures we face. And so on this broadcast titled, I Felt Compelled, I want to share with us two individual responses to pressures based on two key accounts from the Bible in the hope that it inspires us to handle life's pressures in a manner that allows us to stay firmly anchored to God. A text for today's broadcast is taken from 1 Samuel 13, verses 1 to 14, especially verse 11. Now, before we look at the individual responses I referred to earlier, I want to share with us a story Jesus told in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. In it, Jesus told of two houses that experienced the storm when the rain fell, the floods came, the wind blew and beat on them. One of the houses collapsed, but the other survived the storms. Now, the question is, why did one collapse and the other one survive? Jesus explained that the one that survived the storm survived because it was built on the rock, likening such a builder to one who listened to his teachings and follows it. That's from verse 24 of Matthew 7. Now, the one that collapsed, he explained, collapsed because it was built on the sand. Again, he likens the builder of that house to one who hears his teachings, but does not obey it. Both builders heard the word, but it was the one who obeyed that survived the storm. Pressures like the storms described in Matthew 7 come to us all, threatening to cause us to fall apart. But our safety net, just like the house that was built on the rock, is to endure the storm while doing the will of God. If we forsake doing God's will because of the pressures that come with the storm, we will very much end up like the house built on the sand. Our topic for this broadcast, I felt compelled, is based on the story of Saul, king of Israel, as told in 1 Samuel 13, 3 to 14. Under pressure from the threat of war, Saul disobeys God and ultimately loses the throne. Now, the underlying story to that is two years into Saul's kinship, Jonathan, his son, attacks the Philistine garrison at Geba, stirring up war. The Philistines rose up armed to the teeth for war. Formidable adversaries, especially against a people unprepared for war, as Israel was. The agitation and distress that followed 
is a familiar one to anyone who has encountered sudden and overwhelming battle. Now, it was mandatory in those days that a bond offering be made to God before Israel went to war, but only the priests could offer the bond offering. Saul did wait out the mandatory seven days at Gilgal for Samuel to come and offer the bond offering. And when the seven days of waiting had lapsed, he chose to offer the bond offering. And just as he was done offering the bond sacrifice, Samuel arrived and asked, what have you done? Saul's answer to this question can be found in 1 Samuel 13, 11, and I quote, When I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together at Michmash, then I said, the Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplications to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a bond offering, a seemingly understandable decision considering the following facts. One, the people were scattered. Saul had lost control and there was disorder in the camp of Israel. Number two, Samuel did not come within the appointed time. Number three, the Philistines were gathered at Michmash and the possibility of an attack on Israel was imminent. And finally, Saul felt that he couldn't take the risk of going to war without an assurance of God's presence. He must have concluded that giving the offering was more important than ensuring that it was given in God's prescribed way. Now, against the backdrop of these, it all seemed that there were genuine reasons for Saul to do what he did. But might I only remind us again that the safety net from destruction from the storms of life is to stay obedient to the word and the will of God, notwithstanding the pressure to do otherwise. Now, I am sure that a number of us can relate with the outcome of Saul's response to pressure. How many times have we also been tempted to consider finding solutions to our challenges, especially after long periods of waiting on God? Abraham and Sarah called. They, like Saul, felt that they had lost any chance of having a child of their own, given, as Romans 4.19 puts it, the deadness of Sarah's womb. Abraham and Sarah, just like Saul, also felt that God, just like Samuel, had not come within the set time, as Sarah had passed the natural time within which a woman could conceive. Abraham and Sarah, just like Saul, must have also felt that there was a trend that the enemy called barrenness could destroy their declared destiny as the father and mother of nations. And just like Saul, they must have concluded that having an heir was more important than having it God's own way. And finally, Abraham and Sarah, just like Saul, also must have felt compelled to make their own arrangements to have an heir. Can we relate with this? Have we never felt the distress common to anyone who has suddenly lost control of particular areas of their lives? Perhaps their health, their finances, their careers, their businesses. That sudden battle that puts us in such terrible distress that we are so desperate to escape it, that we're willing to look for solution outside of God's will. Saul wanted God's presence to go with the army. A good enough intention, if you ask me. And he felt justified in doing what he had to do to ensure that. The problem, however, with that was that he did not follow the biblically prescribed procedure for ensuring God's presence. To Saul, 
offering the sacrifice was more important than offering it in obedience. Again, I want to say here that no one can successfully walk with God except and until such a person understands that God is very much interested in details. Oh yes, he is. God pays attention to details. Look through the Bible and you will see that God cares about details. For example, instructions on the building of the Ark of the Covenant, strategies and going to battle, instructions he gave concerning offerings, marriage, courtship, crime. In fact, all of life, the list itself is endless. So all that Saul needed to do was wait. Be patient to ensure that whatever needed to be done was done in obedience to God's will rather than caving to the pressure of extenuating circumstances to disobey God. And that's a lesson for every one of us, that no matter the pressure we face and the need, the pressure need for us to come out of that pain and that reproach and that agony that we face, we must ask for grace to do things and to handle things in God's own way. Waiting is never easy. It's a song that is so bitter to the ears. But we know as Christians that it's a necessary pathway for those who want to inherit the promises of God. Hebrews 6.12 admonishes us as Christian believers to, quote, imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promise, unquote. Understanding God's commitment to detail, we know that waiting for the Christian transcends the issue of time in the context of hours or months or years. More importantly, it includes allowing God's will to be done in God's way and at his own time. Now, I felt compelled is another way of saying the surrounding circumstances left me with no choice but to do what I did. Sometimes we feel that same way, so pressured beyond measure that everything around us is practically screaming at us to do something about our situation, something that brings an end to the distress or reproach, even when this involves disobeying God. Allowing ourselves to be persuaded by temporary pain distress or shame to seek solutions we know is outside of God's will can only lead us to that same spot where Saul became rejected as king, Abraham births Ishmael, and Esau forfeits his firstborn right to Jacob. Pain, pressure, shame. No matter how persuasive are not valid reasons for us to literally take the law into our own hands and do what we feel necessary or compelled to do to bring us relief, especially when the relief comes wrapped in the garment of disobedience to God. There is no greater need for self-control and obedience than in seasons of battle and distress. The times when we are under pressure to do what is outside of God's will is the time when we need most to hold on to what we know to be his will. Now, there is a possible different reaction to pressure other than Saul's reaction. In Psalm 27, David acknowledges his distress. He states, and I quote, the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh. An army encamp against me, my enemies and my foes. War rises against me. And the time of trouble when my father and my mother forsake me, false weaknesses have risen against me and such as breathe violence. Unquote. Are these not enough reasons for a man not to wait on God? 
Would a man under such distress not be justified in choosing not to sit still and wait, but rather to do such as is needful to protect himself? Yet, he decides to wait. And so in verse 14 of Psalm 27, David encourages himself thus, quote, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord, unquote. Now that is the response of a man after God's heart. And the Holy Spirit, a God-appointed helper, is willing and able to give us the strength, the wisdom, the courage, and the power to wait on the Lord and endure until God shows up. But we must ask for his help, knowing that we have no alternative but to let God have his way in the storm. Now, a great many believers have left the way, that narrow way Jesus described in Matthew 7, 14, not because they set out to leave, but because somewhere in the journey of life, they got tired of waiting on God to do it at his own time and in his own way. But we must always remember that true and lasting deliverance from any distress that we face can only come if we do things God's own way and not by compromise. The alternative like in Abraham's case, will produce an Ishmael who remains still today a turn in Isaac's flesh. Or a Saul who was rejected as king and had the kingdom passed on to David. Yeah, to David, the man who chose to wait. Believing God is not that difficult, but waiting is. However, God promises strength to those who will wait. Isaiah 40, 31. So, what then should be our way in the midst of pressure and distress? Romans 12, 12 admonishes us to one, be joyful in hope, knowing that God has promised us that he will make a way of escape out of every temptation. We need to hold on to the promises of God in hope, knowing that faithful is he who has promised, who is also able to do it. We must fight to hold on to our peace and joy knowing that our hope in God would not result in shame. Secondly, be patient in affliction. It means we should resist anxiety and inner agitations. We must learn to silence the voice that says to us that we can't wait. Rather, we must believe that we can do all things through Christ, including waiting on the Lord. And finally, it admonishes us to be faithful in prayer. It means that we hold on to the horns of God's halter. It means that we persuade ourselves that God will come through for us. And so we must come into a season of praying without season, talking continuously to the Father in a father-child atmosphere, knowing that it is our Father's good pleasure to give us good things. The way out of destruction from the storms that we face is obedience, finding the will of God, asking the Holy Spirit for strength to stand firm. Scripture says we should stand, and after having done all, we stand. And I just want us to pray, and let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you hold us up when in distress that you please give us the wisdom, the courage, and the power to endure our appointed or permitted seasons of trials and, and storms. Lord, we ask that you would not let us be tempted with what is above us, but rather that 
you make an escape route for us out of every temptation so that we're able to bear up under it. Lord, we ask that you renew our strength every moment of each day so that we faint not, nor be weary under distress. Father, we ask that you please give us the grace to make choices that will bring to pass the full manifestation of your divine promises in our lives. And for as many of us as might have already taken steps outside of your will, Lord, we ask that you forgive us and restore us. These we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us on today's broadcast. We truly hope that you have been blessed and that the word and the wisdom of God that we have shared has inspired you to boldly live for Christ. We would love to hear from you. To get in touch with us, please visit our website, www.worldrevive.org. Go to the contact page, complete and submit the contact form, or you can send us an email at info at worldrevive.org.